G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As you'll appreciate, there are some pretty courageous Christian preachers who are working around the world, but few may be more courageous or more colourful or even more controversial than the man known as the machine gun preacher. For more than two decades, Sam Childers has been working to save children in East Africa. He's a controversial figure because the image of a preacher with a Bible in one hand and a machine gun in the other begs the question, is he a missionary or is he a mercenary? He's back in Australia His book, Another Man's War, was published back in 2009. And the Hollywood feature film called The Machine Gun Preacher hit our screens in 2011. Sam Childers now dedicates his life to rescuing children in war zones in East Africa. And he's in the studio with us today. A special welcome back to 2020 to you, Sam Childers. Hey, really good to be here again. Sam, a lot of people will have seen the movie. Mm. Uh, the movie's a popular movie, and yeah. especially amongst Christian people, because right. there's a little bit of uh, on-the-edge danger. Over-the-edge, on-the-edge. <laughs> <laughs> it is controversial. Yeah. And let me just say, uh, for, for listeners who have seen the movie, yeah. uh, I know from our last conversation that not everything in the movie is right. an absolutely true account. So give us a little the, uh, in a nutshell. The thing that made the movie not accurate at all was they took 30-plus years put into a two-hour movie. So the timeline is totally out of whack. Uh, The one – or through the movie, it showed me losing faith in God. I have never lost my faith in Jesus Christ. Even when I was a heroin addict, I knew God was real. I never doubted the existence of God. It's just I went through a number of years in my life thinking, look, I don't need him. If you want him, you have him. I'm making it through this life okay without him. I mean, I was fooled thinking I didn't need him. I started out at a young age, born again, spirit-filled, 11 years old, walked away from it. Uh, I was way up in my 20s when I came back to the Lord, you know. Let's talk about the idea of being an outlaw biker as well. I don't know whether that was a true Yeah, that was definitely true. Uh, uh, I still uh, ride with the outlaw bikers. I I still do to this day. You know, people say, well, why would you do that? Well, who would Jesus be with? You know, and uh, uh, I work with many different clubs as a chaplain. Uh, I go into many different clubhouses around the world. I do a lot of events in the clubhouses. And uh, in the in the U.S., uh, matter of fact, I don't know if I can say this on the air, but I will. <laughs> There's a bar. It's called Suck, Bang, Blow. Right. And uh, I know that's kind of hard for Christians to hear, and I got hacked on. Why would you even go into that place? I preached the gospel. The first 
preacher to ever speak in that bar on the stage a message from Jesus Christ and six guys that were sitting at the bar drinking put their drinks to the side and started weeping and gave their life to the Lord. So what if I would have never went in there? They would have never gave their life to the Lord. So when you have a movie like The Machine Gun Preacher and a reputation that grows around that, even though not everything in the movie is an accurate representation of your life, it opens an opportunity to going into bars like that. Absolutely. And the sort of people who you have an opportunity to speak to, uh, perhaps... people, People have to look at it this way. The greatest Christian movie of all times is Passion in Christ. I, I love the movie. Yeah. Uh, but see, you can't use that movie as an outreach. You cannot give that movie to uh, outlaw bikers. You can't give it to clubhouses. You can't give it to gang members. You can't take that movie into a bar room and say, here, play this in your bar tonight. It ain't going to happen. But the movie Machine Gun Preacher, they will put it in bar rooms, clubhouses, and they just loop it. So it just plays over and over and over all night long. So if Christians were wise, if Christians were wise, they would use that movie as an outreach. They would get copies of it and just hand it out to people. You know, Hollywood said the first three months the movie came out, a million lives was changed by the movie Machine Gun Preacher. That is exciting. Yeah. Let me ask you the hard questions. Yeah. Right at the beginning of our conversation, when you've got the Bible in one hand and the image of the preacher with the machine gun in the other, Mm. I mentioned, uh, you know, is this uh, a missionary or mercenary? You deal with this question because not every Christian is comfortable with the idea of a preacher carrying a firearm. Yeah. Uh, but when you've been into the dangerous situations that you've been into, yeah. uh, it may be something that we might but soften any, on that. Give anywhere, us anywhere where I'm at around the world, especially in the United States, if I am licensed, which I am licensed in 43 states to carry a firearm, I have a firearm. I preach with a firearm on, you know, to be under my shirt. But I mean... And I believe that's the world that we live in today. The firearm is not to not to hurt people or kill people. The firearm is to protect people. And what we need to realize, you know, I've met a lot of good policemen here in Australia, born again, spirit-filled policemen. Guess what? They got a gun. And I had somebody the other day, they come up to me and they said, well, Sam, I'm sorry. I just, I have a problem with weapons. I have a problem with anyone that carries a weapon and And I told him, I said, well, let's say you go home tonight, you hear somebody breaking into your house, and here they're starting to rape your brothers and sisters and people in the family. They're beating up your, your, your parents. I mean, it's a really bad ordeal happening. I said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to call the police. Well, you're calling a man with a gun is what you're doing. And I'm just another man with a gun. Now, it is going to be a controversial conversation, and we won't get bogged down in the differences for what 
the majority of American people might yeah. feel about guns. Uh, we've got gun laws in Australia, Absolutely. and some people we should will have, argue. We should have gun laws around the world. There should be gun laws. But let's go a little deeper here, mm. because your reputation, the machine gun preacher, yeah. uh, mm. aligning with freedom fighters <coughs> in Africa, yeah. uh, the idea of uh, the outlaw Joseph Coney uh, with child soldiers, abductions, yeah. uh, dreadful mm. things happening. And here you find yourself in East Africa rescuing yeah. children under a notorious regime, right. bringing them out of that, and yeah. you're carrying a firearm and finding yeah. yourself from time to time actually yeah. in the firefight. But people need to realize, too, you know, most people don't know this unless you follow me on Facebook. I am a director of a security company. I'm one of the only directors and uh, uh, owners in all of history in East Africa to run a security company. So that's what I do for a living, too, you know. So it's just not some – like the movie showed some off-the-wall crazy guy losing it with a gun. you got to remember, that was Hollywood's version. My version is uh, – or the true version is – uh, I run a company that our mission statement is serve and protect. So when you are rescuing children mm. and what happens when a conflict eventuates, uh, there is a firefight. You have bodyguards with you yeah. and there is f gunfire backwards and forwards. Uh, you've mentioned to me last time that, yes, those situations have eventuated. Yeah, those, those situations happen. But I tell you, out of I, I've been I've been on every uh, TV show from BBC to CNN, El Kashir, sixty Minutes, Dateline, NBC, and you know a lot of people try to get me to talk about you know battles and fighting and everything, and and I shy away from it, and the reason why is because violence does not glorify Jesus Christ. And so even here today with you, I'm going to shy away from it. But what I like to focus on with people is I like to focus on our feeding programs. You know, I started a feeding program with starving children uh, over a decade ago with 21 children, and now we feed over 13,000 meals a day. See, so if, if, I, if I boast about something, it's going to be about good things, not bad things. And the other thing is the war that I was in for over a decade, the Coney War, it's, it's over now. You know, that war is over. So now I concentrate on building schools. I've built seven schools over the years. I'm building number eight school right now. If you want to change a nation, it begins with education. Uh, the, the past few years were very big into teaching skills and trades. So we have B&Bs, we have restaurants, we have hotels, we have a commercial farm, we have a new truck stop that we're uh, building. So we're working and training right now over 500 people, kids, youth from 16 years old to 26 years old. We give them a job. We're teaching them a skill. They're not volunteers. They're on a payroll. So I, I, nowadays I tell people, look at what we're doing. We're changing a nation. You know, that, that gun stuff and that fighting and that war, that was like two decades ago. You know, things have changed now. Do I still carry a gun? Absolutely.
And those children that are a part of the ministry, and we're talking about uh, angels of East Africa, yeah. uh, those children who are being the beneficiaries of that ministry, yep. uh, right through from the crises of their lives mm. uh, into a development where you can let them go, you can release them as good citizens into their country. Absolutely. And, no doubt, carriers of a different message. Uh, let me let me, Let me get you to look at something in a different way, you know. The church says all the time, we're changing nations. Have you heard that before? Mm, yeah. I challenge the church on that because we say we're changing nations, but we build orphanages, and the average orphanage in a third-world country, the kids have to leave at 15 years old. So what did we really do? More than 70% of those kids go into prostitution. Now, we want to stand up as the church, and we want to say, we're changing nations. But I challenge the church again. See, to change a nation takes hardworking people, but it also takes something called professional people. Professional people, lawyers, doctors, nurses, teachers. But see, to get those kind of people, you have to send them to university. Now, I'm going to ask you this here. How many churches do you know that send young people in third world countries to university. There's hardly any. You know, our organization right now, we have over 30 young people in universities. We got them in trade school. We are changing nations, you know. Now, it took a long time to get to this point, but our ministry has really changed and we're focused on changing nations. Well, it is a great reminder that it's not just about winning a soul. But in Matthew's Great Commission, it's about discipling nations. And in order to do that, as you say, you've got to prepare people, disciple people, so that they can engage in the decision-making policy formation processes of winning a nation. I believe that we need missionaries around the world. I believe we need missionaries in the U.S. I believe we need missionaries in Australia. But I kind of get a little bit of a chuckle when I hear about people wanting to go into Uganda to do missionary work. They I'm going to go to Uganda. We're going to we're going to do an outreach and teach people how to pray. People in Uganda can teach us how to pray. Yes. You know, when was the last time you seen someone with polio's leg on twist? When was the last time you seen cancer fall off someone and crawl across the ground? You know, these are miracles that you have in East Africa going on. I mean, the power of God is moving. There's one place called Prayer Mountain. You know, this place has been 24-7 prayer for decades and decades and decades. I mean, miracles happen on this mountain. We don't have a prayer mountain in America, okay? So so I I challenge people, you know— Look at what you're doing. If you want to change a nation, okay, Africa needs a lot of help. But the main thing that Africa needs is structure. See, Africa has all the resources it needs to function on its own, but it needs structure. And that's what our organization is working on now, structure. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson. Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 
on Vision. Wonderful to have you with us and our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. You might also like to leave a note, a message, a comment, a question on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Vision Radio. Sam Childers is our guest, the machine gun preacher. Uh, Sam, let's talk about some more of this work that's going on in East Africa now because there are a lot of people who would say, well, you've got a a whole lot of good infrastructure happening there, some orphanages. Yeah. Uh, You've got uh, things that are happening, and no doubt that's because of your wonderfully skilled business acumen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's all about Sam. It's all about his testimony. It's all about the attention you draw but I know you like to take this a little deeper and say it's not all about you, but what God is doing. Absolutely. It's, well, I truly believe to start with that if we're going to have prosperity and blessings from God, I believe our mind and thoughts got to be pure. And people say, well, what are you talking about? <clears throat> well, to start with, we need to realize that God knows exactly what we're thinking right now. God knows our intentions. God knows like a lot of people talk about money and everything. God knows exactly what you'll do if you have money come into your life. And it's something, when I look at the commercial farm right now, we have this commercial farm in northern Uganda. This farm is doing unbelievable as far as the harvest. we done a harvest just uh, here recently from the first week of January until the uh, last week of February, they were harvesting our sweet potatoes, our rice and pumpkins and everything. They harvest for two days all the sweet potatoes, 80-some workers harvest these sweet potatoes. On the third day, I come driving out, and here comes the manager running out to me, and he says, Sam, Sam, you're not going to believe this here. He said, we harvest for two days. We harvest all the sweet potatoes, and we got a big problem. And and I'm like, oh, no, what's, what, what's going on? You know, bugs getting the sweet potatoes, the sun's rottening them, or what's going on, you know? And he said, no, we harvest for two days from sun up till sundown. We went out this morning and there was more sweet potatoes in the field. You know, so I mean, how can that happen? Because God knew our intentions. We gave almost the entire crop of sweet potatoes to refugee camps. Our rice, this was amazing. We harvest 142 ton of rice. Now just keep them numbers in your head. So we filled our storehouses in Uganda and South Sudan packed our storehouses out from the floor to the roof with rice. Then we turned around and uh, 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 gave away 70 ton of rice. We gave it away to the refugee camps. And then we turned around and sold 80 ton of rice. How could that happen? So if God can do that with loaves and fishes, Absolutely. he can do it with sweet potatoes too. Yeah. We are taking calls, 1-800-316-316. <clears throat> you might like to engage today. You might have a question or a comment about the machine gun preacher. Let's take a call or two. Let's hear from Marilla in Adelaide. Hello, Marilla. Welcome along. Uh, yes, good afternoon. <laughs> I, 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 um, I would like to applaud this person. I think he's a... Um, a great spirit to our nation. We should have more people like him. And I would love to come on board to follow his direction. <laughs> great. Um, well, I'm going to give a website. In fact, uh, you could probably simply Google Angels of East Africa or The Machine Gun Preacher yeah, or Sam Childers. It's, it's the easiest just to go to machinegunpreacher.org. That's our website. And I think everyone can remember that, machinegunpreacher.org. 
Okay, right. Marila, <laughs> did you have anything to, else to add? Uh, look, I do similar things to what you do, but um, in the trying to um, uh, say uh, where, where there's fruit and veg to direct it to where people would use it. Um, what can I say? You know, uh, kindness goes a long way in our world. Absolutely. And, um, <clears throat> you know, compassion and helping others. It, our world is to give and not to receive because when, when we ask for receiveness, we will get it in other blessings. So Absolutely. I really I appreciate and hearing your story and how you're helping these children that are our foundation of our world. Mm. Marila, so, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. <laughs> Let's take another call. Karen is on the line from Brisbane. Hi, Karen. Welcome. Well, thank you. Um, good afternoon. Look, I'm really interested in um, hearing Sam talk about structure. And the reason I say that is my husband and I, we connect with homeless people on a Monday and Wednesday mm. night. And there is a big <clears throat> gap in between um, because there are no food vans that go out mm. um, on the other nights. And just sitting with them and listening to their stories um, is such a privilege because you're connecting with people. Right. But you're also connecting with God's people. Absolutely. And loving these people. Yes. And some of the, some of the stories are devastating. Yes. But what I, the question I have for you, Sam, is you talked about structure. Right, right. Now, some people, there are services, don't get me wrong, there yeah. are services available for them. But some um, communities don't have a service. Absolutely. See, okay. I don't I don't know the laws here in Australia. I know that the laws in America can be a little difficult sometimes to begin to teach people structure, to get structure back in people's lives. See, I believe that structure comes through teaching people how to work. Now, I don't know your country. Your, uh, here in Australia, I don't know the structure of your country. But in America, we have something called the welfare system. And the welfare system has really messed America up. See, the welfare system was first put in place for the hardworking man that run into difficulties in life to get him back on his feet. But the welfare system in America has turned into a career. I believe that we need to go back to teaching people how to work. You know, teach people a skill and a trade. Teach people how to work. I can remember I started mowing people's grass when I was seven years old, eight years old. I could barely start the lawnmower. But by the time nine years old came around, I figured out if I had my own push mower, I could make more money. So I saved my money that whole summer. When I was 10 years old, I bought my own lawnmower. You know, and young people today, you know, in America, 15, 16-year-old kids, they don't even know how to start a lawnmower. So I believe it goes back to us as adults. It goes back to us as parents. We need to start teaching structure how to work. Karen from Brisbane, thank you so much for your call. And before we move on, this idea that hardship actually breeds innovation. And uh, I think people can hear in the way you're describing things as they're happening in East Africa. Mm. The sort of innovation that comes can be a God-inspired innovation. So there's it's one thing to just be innovative 
to make money. Right. It's another thing to be innovative, to yeah. make enough money to serve God with your right. resource. Well, see, East, East Africa is a country, but all of Africa, they're, they're not going to be able to have a system like America or like Australia. There's, there's never going to be a welfare system there. They're never going to hand out food stamps. What I have found out over the years is Africa has everything to function on its own. The only thing it needs is people like us to go in and teach structure, how to run business, how to do farming, how to do uh, ranching and irrigation and stuff like that. In fact, what you're saying is that people who are not preachers or church career people, they have as much a ministry in Absolutely. their marketplace engagement. Uh, we often talk about this, what it is that we work people, as a ministry to God. People can actually go to our website. You can click on mission trips. You can go to Africa with us. It's not all about preaching the gospel. You can come with us and preach the gospel in our churches. But we have people that come over and they'll teach their skill, their trade from carpenters, welders, nurses. I mean, we, we, we got our own clinic. We have our own welding shop. We have auto mechanics. Sam, before we take another step, let's take another call or two. Let's hear from Shelby in Sunnybank. Hello, Shelby. Hey, good morning, Neil. Uh, love the show and what you bring to us. And Sam, um, um, mate, I uh, love what you're doing. Um, I commend you, your courage, especially, um, to go out and do what you do um, and uh, fight against these um, murderers, these rapists of our women and children in these countries. Um, it's just uh, marvellous what you do. And um, I'm, I'm right behind you, buddy. All right. Now, thank you so much. And, you know, the other things that you were saying earlier, I... Um, and my ex-farmer's son uh, grew up on a farm. You know, between seven, eight, nine, ten, I was farming, um, paying for my keep, um, working on the farm, uh, ploughing behind a horse, scuffling mm. behind a horse. My favourite horse, Diana. <coughs> Diana, we used to call her. Dad drove the tractor because he could reach the pedals. I couldn't. <laughs> wow. You're showing your age here, Shelby. But uh, a quick response for Shelby, who recognizes that a, a work ethic you, is powerful. Definitely inside of Uganda. I call Uganda the land of milk and honey. The ground is so fertile. The only thing the people needs is just some new ideas and some, some structure into their farming. And it's definitely irrigation. Uh, I've met a lot of people here in Australia. I mean, Australia knows irrigation. I know some parts of Australia is in the middle of a drought right now, but Australia knows how to do irrigation. So listen, anyone out there that's into farming, if you ever want to go on a mission trip, come over and teach your skill of farming and ranching and irrigation, you can do it. Shelby, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Before we move on here, Sam, take us to some of the spirituality uh, in East Africa. Some of the news we glean here in Australia is of huge revival in sub-Saharan Africa, even the numbers of yeah. Christians in Africa these days, surpassing any other continent on earth. I heard a figure not long ago, something in the vicinity of 541 million Christian believers in the continent of Africa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you say we've got lots to learn from people Absolutely. in Uganda. Yeah, Their yeah. spirituality may actually be 
exceeding ours, yeah. but it's our skills in the structure we're talking about right. that's most necessary. But take us to the, the spirituality S- of African something, people. Something you see, I, I get in churches and start talking about the miracles that's happening there. People are people that are blind, they're getting color in their eyes and they're seeing people that are uh, that are crippled, uh, legs are being straightened, legs are being grown, cancer is falling off. And people in America, they say, well, if that's all happening in Africa, why isn't it happening in our churches here? And I always kind of make a joke about it and say that's because we have Walmart. Well, here in Australia, you have Kmart. That's it. <laughs> and Woolworths, you know, so you don't have to trust God for that meal. You don't have to trust God for clothing for your children. We just go down to the store and put it on another credit card, you know. But, you know, in Africa, there is nothing. The people have nothing but their faith in Jesus Christ, and they pray and they pray and they pray and they pray through till God does a miracle. And when people are connected with God— Something significant happens, and, uh, you know, we could reflect on that uh, theologically, you know, uh, they're saved by God's grace. But something happens in the life of an individual who comes into this new relationship, and they are now connected with a hope that they had never seen before, never known before, and that hope is a powerful driver of people and their individual lives, their careers, their families, everything they do. You carry a message of hope wherever you travel around the world. Absolutely. Something that I found out around the world is it doesn't matter if you're sleeping on the street, you're homeless, that person has hope for their life. If you're living in a million-dollar mansion, that person has hope for their life. If you can walk into any restaurant in Australia and eat whatever you want, that person still has hope for their life. If you're the person diving into the dumpster to get the scraps, that person has hope for their life. But as humans around the world, we only concentrate on the hope that we have, and we don't go after the hope that Jesus Christ has for us. See, the hope that Jesus had for me was that I would be delivered of addictions. And I got delivered of addictions. I couldn't read or write as I was growing up. The hope that Jesus had for me that I would learn to read and write and that I would even write books and movies would be done out of them. I I challenge people, go after what God has for you. I couldn't speak a number of years ago. I used to stutter every other word. But see, when I gave my life to Christ, God had a hope for me that he would send me around the world to carry this message of hope. But I couldn't have done it when I stuttered every other word. So what happened? I didn't go to a doctor. I didn't go to a therapist. I didn't go to speech class. I went to Jesus and he healed it, you know. We are taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Robert in Bowen in North Queensland. Hi, Robert. Welcome along. Hello. How are you going? Very good, Robert. What are your thoughts for our conversation? Oh, mate, no. I'm I'm in total agreement with everything he does. The the real reason I rang up is um, you said you're after blokes that um, no irrigation to maybe do a... A mission field in Africa. How do I? Um, if you if you go to the that. website, you can go to the website machinegunpreacher dot org. When you go mm-hmm. on there, click on mission trips, and you'll start talking to our office, 
in the U.S. We have five mission trips per year. Uh, we would, we would, we would have you see all of our projects, the orphanages and stuff, but we would yep. concentrate having you on the farm and we would show you what we have, what we're using. Uh, you can work on the farm. You can give us your ideas. <clears throat> we'll put you on a tractor, man. We'll, we'll, yeah. I mean, you, you'll be spending most of your mission trip on the farm teaching us your skills and trades. And a lot of the stuff the people already know, but you know, it's always that one thing that we don't know that can make us be a better farmer. So we look forward to having guys like you. So Robert, that website, machinegunpreacher.org. And while we're talking about Robert's skill in irrigation, and you mentioned that you've got all sorts of uh, restaurants and uh, development opportunities for young people to become skilled, uh, what other skills come to mind for you, Sam, that that might be useful? Because uh, nothing would thrill us more than an opportunity to talk to Australia and all of a sudden a bunch of Aussies uh, rise to the fore and, and help you with your work. Well, almost every trip, every mission trip, there is someone from Australia on that trip. So we we have had over the years many, many Australians there teaching their skills and trades. <clears throat> but it goes from restaurants to construction work to welding, uh, auto mechanics, driving farm equipment, working on farming equipment. Uh, working in hotels, you know, uh, just going in and teaching hospitality. I had a young guy from Tasmania many years ago come over. He was 70 some years old and he come over because he sat up restaurants for years. <clears throat> the guy went to all of our projects teaching hospitality. Excellent job. And see, hospitality in restaurants is something we can never have enough of. You know, so even the simplest things is a lot of help to us. So missionary work isn't just about being the person who's on the stage at at the stadium delivering the message. A lot of missionary work, and perhaps even the biggest element of missionary work, is this support and innovation roles that yep. can can establish the mission and can help those things grow so that people can grow in Christ. Well, unfortunately, there's not a lot of organizations out there that are teaching skills and traits. Most Christian organizations, charitable organizations, are just going in, preaching the gospel, opening up another school, building another orphanage. But see, they're not, they're not looking where the ending is going to their projects. Like people wants to build orphanages after orphanages. But what, what, what if you find out that those orphanages ask you to leave at 15 years old? 70% of those kids go into prostitution. That makes you start to think, wow, should we build another orphanage or should we build a training center? a training center where you're teaching people how to work, teaching them how to make money. <clears throat> Opening our thoughts, our imagination about what can happen in Christian mission. Uh, thank you so much to Robert from Bowen. Let's take another call. Leslie is on the line from Perth in WA. Hi, Leslie. <clears throat> hi. Hi, Neil. It's so lovely to listen to your show. And hi, Sam. I am just amazed to hear your voice again. Um, you spoke to our church, Cornerstone in Perth, Many years ago, we were inspired then. We were supporting a missionary in East Africa and went across ourselves and now have resigned from pastoring to actually do exactly what you're saying. Praise totally God. Agree. Praise totally God. I agree that it's all about giving them structure. 
They've got a church on every corner. They pray better than we do. They know how to worship. Absolutely. They don't know how to farm very well. And they're still subsistence, you know, hoes. So my husband uh, has taken over uh, the innovation of small, uh, low-till plowing, yep. planting machinery, and he's put a, uh, built a workshop and he's running seminars to teach them, but to demonstrate how to do their crops better. That so is that awesome. Can... Where, where, where exactly are you working? Which country? Tanzania. Okay. The, uh, well, if you get up to Uganda, look me up. I live there full time. I, I, I live in Africa full time. Africa's my home. But if you get up in Uganda, look me up. I'd like to scratch your head a little bit and see yeah. what you see what you can teach us. Yeah, oh, look, it's, it's marvelous. It's just a big place. And I, as you say, they've got the potential and resources. They don't need a handout. They no. need a hand up. And yeah. we're so excited to do our tiny little bit. But yeah, yeah. Uh, TMOO and Power Project yeah. is our name. But we, we would definitely connect with you if we can get as far as Uganda. All right, that's awesome. Leslie in Perth, thank you so much for calling in. 1-800-316-316. Maybe still time to have your question or have your say, make a comment. Uh, and you can also leave a note on our Facebook page. Let's come back to just changing direction a little bit here about the countries that you're working in, Sam. I know you're working these days not only in Uganda, but also in Ethiopia and also in Sudan. Now, we'll hear news about uh, some of the conflict that's going on in some right. of those countries. Mm. So these countries you're mainly working in, uh, what is the conflict like? Uh, is there well, still the you know the civil war South, going on? Sudan? South Sudan is uh, is very unstable right now. You know there is a peace agreement signed, there is a ceasefire signed, but there's still some conflicts and still some fighting in the bush. I believe that they're 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 on the way to victory because. Uh, Northern Sudan, the president Bashir, which was torturing the people, terrifying the people, murdering people for so many years, his regime has failed. Uh, they actually put the president of Northern Sudan in prison now. So very soon, I'm going to say within the next couple of years, there will be a election for a new president. So I believe that I believe that there could be peace coming to South Sudan once again because the 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 president of Northern Sudan his goal was to take South Sudan back over again. So he was just causing terror, constant terror, you know. So I believe that the country in due time can be brought back. But you got to remember when a country that has been in war for 50 years when they do start a start back to a good structure. Uh, it takes many years. Like in Uganda, they had war. It takes at least 20 years to start to rehabilitate the, the people inside of the community, at least 20 years. So they got a long ways to go. Ethiopia has always been a fairly safe country. I mean, it's, that's where they've done most of the peace talks in Addis Ababa. But the past couple of years, they've been having a few riots and stuff because the government's changing. It was mainly for so many years Islamic government. Now there's Christian people coming into the government. So it's causing a little bit of chaos. But uh, it's still a safe country. Uganda, like I tell people everywhere, Uganda is the land of milk and honey. The the president and his wife, born again, spirit-filled, uh, he believes in hard work and he believes in, in change. You know, he's been in office for a long time. 
my goal is to to help keep him in office there because I feel he's doing a very good job. I don't know if you know this, Sam, but there is a real Australian connection to South Sudan because the people in the Nuba Mountains who've been under (coughs) intense persecution uh, from the uh, Islamic activity that's come against them, it was Australian missionaries a hundred years ago that took the gospel to the people in the Nuba Mountains. That's awesome. And uh, the testimony is awesome, as you say, because it created a Christian people, yeah, and uh, they've been under intense persecution. So there's an Australian connection there. That's great, and uh, something that connects Aussies to the work that you're doing. In yeah. that sense, if uh, you know, there can be a broader connection. And uh, I guess, as you say, you've had lots of Aussies over the years who've come and contributed into what you're doing. I imagine there's plenty of room for a few more. Absolutely, and we got a lot of exciting things coming up. I wanted to tell you, a lot of people out there seen the movie Machine Gun Preacher, but now, unless you follow me on Facebook, you probably don't know know this. There's a part two Machine Gun Preacher getting ready to go into production. It should be in production within a year and a half. There's a third book coming out. I have two books. Uh, the first one and stuff is Another Man's War. The second one is Living on the uh, Edge. The third book should be out by March of next year. And there's a very good chance that the ghostwriter on my third book is going to be an Aussie. So we'll see what happens there. And you like to come to Australia, what is it, every one or two years? I think We try to come in every year. People book me for the following year again. But sometimes I get a little bad reaction on my visas. They don't want to renew my visa, you know, because like you said, I'm a colorful, I have a colorful past. But people, I, I just, I just challenge the government to look at what I do when I'm here, you know, and, and I'm speaking in schools on drugs and alcohol. I'm changing young people's lives. We, we go to prisons, you know, if anything, you would think the government would want to bring me in every year because we have been having some very good success stories out of Australia. People's lives are changing. You're based in Uganda <clears throat> these days, but clearly you're spending a lot of time on the road. Yeah, because I, about six a, months a year evangelizing. Okay. Well, I looked at your website, which is all about your world tour. Yeah. You're on a world tour now. The mgpworldtour.com uh, takes you to a lot of countries. Yeah. Do you have similar visa issues in some of those no, others? No, the only place I have a problem getting <laughs> into is Australia. But I believe a lot of it is because of the Biker World affiliation. But uh, uh, there again, you know, I'm there for all of the bikers around the world. And what do I carry? I carry a message of hope for them all. Let's take one more call. I want to hear from Jonathan in WA. Hi, Jonathan. Welcome. Yes. Uh, in noon, when I listen to the preachers about why he's talking, it's truth. There's a lot of miracles in Africa, but we need a structure. We don't know how to manage things. We don't know how to do it, but this miracle is no problem there. So when I was talking about what's going on in Africa, you know, I'm from Africa, and I know our problem. So when they, our preacher was uh, the missionary talking about that, it really moved me today. We you sound like you're, you sound like you're from Sudan. Are you from South Sudan? I, I'm from I'm from Liberia, West Africa, Liberia. Okay, okay, but it's so true. I mean, I I believe what happens: a lot of Westerners will go to Africa with good intentions. 
But then they get there and they find out there is money to make. If you go with a mind of business and if you go with a background of structure, people go to Africa and they start making money. And then all of a sudden, it's not about the community anymore. It turns into self. I mean, with the businesses that we have, if we could turn into self and it would all be about money, but we use that money that we make to sow back into the community. Jonathan from WA, thank you so much for your call. And just a couple of minutes remaining for our conversation. Uh, you mentioned your first book, Another Man's War. You've got <clears> another <throat> book, uh, which is also out called Living on the Edge. Yep. A third book, and uh, <clears throat> you didn't disclose who that <throat> Aussie connection might be, but an Aussie co-writer with that third yeah, book. The most unlikely is the third book. Okay, and the most that's the name of the, the word. It's called The Most Unlikely. Yeah, not, that's not the out name. yet, but coming no, soon. It should be out March 2020. And The Machine Gun Preacher Part 2. Yes. Uh, what is, no doubt uh, they've interviewed you quite uh, deeply as to how that might eventuate. Uh, <clears> you know, with Machine Gun Preacher Part 1, what would the development be in the plot line uh, into a second movie? Well, the 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 big thing about Machine Gun Preacher Part Two is twenty four years later, and I never quit. You know, and see that don't happen in the missionary field. Most people will go to the mission field for one year to three years. You hardly ever hear of lifers. So here's a guy named Machine Gun Preacher. He goes to the mission field. He's there for over two decades, and he's still there doing the same thing that he did, but only now it's turned into a larger project. You know, it went from feeding 21 children to feeding over 13,000 meals a day. So it keeps growing and growing. And and I think there's so many elements in the part two machine gun preacher to get people excited, you know, because the work keeps growing. I had millions of dollars go through my hands, millions of dollars, and and I spent it all or invested it all in building schools and, and orphanages and changing the country. I think you've made a few new friends today, Sam Childers. Let me say that over these next few days, you're in southeast Queensland, and for listeners who are listening interstate, <clears throat> uh, you might like to check on the bigger plan with the mgpworldtour.com. Uh, look for other dates where Sam might be preaching and teaching and delivering his message of hope in a city or town near you. Let me just mention that tonight you're going to be speaking in Browns Plains in Brisbane. Under the big marquee in Browns Plains, tomorrow, Transformation City Church in Surfers Paradise on the Gold Coast. On the 21st at Intensity Church at Wynnum West in Brisbane. On the 22nd at My Church in Everton Park. And on the 22nd in the evening, Victory Church at Bridgman Downs. Those are the southeast Queensland dates. Other dates at mgpworldtour.com if you want to connect with Sam Childers. He mentioned that the main website to go to, and he's looking for people who've got skills that can contribute into the mission activity in East Africa, Machine Gun Preacher.org. Machine Gun Preacher.org. Sam Childers, uh, make sure you include us in your diary next time. We'll look forward to another update next time you're in Australia. Thanks for being with us today on 2020. Thank you. God bless. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. 
Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.